Praise God. It's time to worship the Lord today. Thank you for being with us. We welcome those and greet those that are watching on the live stream, those who are still en route uh, to the church. We'll welcome them when they get here. But right now I have a couple of announcements and then we're going to get into worship. First of all, I want to let you know we had a great time yesterday ministering to our community and distributing food and prayer and a smiling face and a great time yesterday. I'd like for all those who helped us out yesterday and Friday in the uh, putting the blessing boxes together, uh, if you'd get a round of applause for them, please. Praise God. 
We did have a little food left over, uh, not enough for full baskets, but enough so that after the morning altar service today, if you would go out speedily to the uh, barn in the back, you can pick up, we still have some, well, I'll say this one first and you can just let it go. We have eggplant. Uh, boy, do we have eggplant. And, uh, th but then we have bell green bell peppers. We have a little bit of corn. We have tomatoes and onions and a gallon of milk in the fridge. So uh, if you'd go out there, first come, first serve, and everything that is left after that will be going to the homeless shelter uh, to share in their food program as well. So we want to thank you for your help yesterday, and today you can do some what we call veggie evangelism by going out, and if you don't need it, maybe one of your neighbors or a relative does, and you can go out, take some of the veggies and the milk and whatever, and go and bless somebody today. So we're going to invite you to stand as we enter into worship today. We have some exciting things going on this morning, and we want you to be a part of it. Let's worship the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name we gather. We gather not in the name of a man or a woman or a denomination. We gather in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We come to celebrate the resurrection power of Jesus on this Lord's day. And we ask that just as you made yourself real to the Apostle John on the Lord's day, you'd give us a face-to-face -face encounter today with the Holy One, the Righteous One, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the pearl of great price, the rock in a weary land, the Savior, Redeemer, the Healer, and the coming King. Father, meet with us as we praise you. Be glorified, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
ahead and you may be seated. Praise God. Today we have a very special thing to do. As an Assembly of God congregation, we're considered a general council church. Now that's a big long name, which means we have the sovereignty to operate in our own realm as long as we're in a compliance with the basic beliefs and functions of our Assembly of God. And one of the things that we are able to do, and we've done this uh, several times in the past, is to commission those who are involved in areas of ministry to give them a cre credential certification uh, for commissioning, that they are involved in the work of a ministry and this certification can help them. It allows them to come under the auspices of the church so that in their ministry they can make the hospital visits or anything like that, that they can be involved in a variety of things. We have two individuals that have made application to become commissioned ministers here. Uh, this does not allow them to marry anybody unless they're marrying them themselves. But, but no, you can't perform that and there, the number of other things, but you have the authorization by the board of the church to function as a, a lay minister within the church and to be known as pastor in that realm. I'm going to ask uh, these two individuals to come forward and stand down front and face the congregation if they would. And I would like for J.R. O'Neill to come and Bill Daughtry to come. <laughs> Praise God. Now we all know that J.R. has been working in our children's church ministry and working with the little ones and doing a great job and he's growing in his knowledge of the Lord and ministry and uh, he's working on his credentials uh, to be a fully credentialed minister within the assemblies of God with all rights and privileges attached but at this point he wants to just come under the leadership and authority of the church and become a commissioned pastor here in the local church. And uh, so I'm going to present you with this certification of your credentials, certification under the auspices of the church here, and round of applause for J.R. This is particularly thrilling for me uh, because I remember my very first service here. And uh, I was going out to lunch with the O'Neill family and in the back seat of the van were two little ginger-headed boys that were all over me, wanting me to pick them up and, and mess, play, play ball with them or whatever. And uh, I, I used to lift him up by his ears like that, but now he's doing it for me, and I appreciate it greatly. 
He's still cute, yes, she. Oh, don't leave yet, sir. I'm gonna, as I make an announcement about Bill and his ministry, I'd like for my deacons to come forward so you can lay hands upon these that are uh, ministering uh, in this credential. We voted in our most recent board meeting to do that. Uh, Bill is uh, newer to the congregation, but we praise God that he already is involved in working in a ministry to the homeless population here on the west side. And he's been actively involved in that. Uh, every Saturday they, they provide a meal and then the word is preached and lives are being touched and changed. And we wanna be a part of that outreach ministry here at Trinity. Uh, he presented his ministry one time to the men's breakfast and we were just overwhelmed by how the Lord is blessed. And he came to me not long ago and said, Pastor, I'd really like to be commissioned by the church. I'd like to uh, be under the authority of the church, the Assemblies of God, uh, in doing this work. And I said, well, that's, that's a wise move. That's a wise move. When you're out there just on your own and nobody's overseeing, you can get into all kinds of messed up stuff. And so we initially voted to bring that ministry under our care and so that even now in the weeks to come, you can make contributions to the street chapel ministry directly into the church and then we'll forward those funds along and they would be tax exempt and credited to you. Also, he wants to make available if you want to help on this ministry. Uh, there are open doors. Some of you have already been providing uh, resources so they can give uh, clothing and coats and things to the, to the homeless or to help out with the meals, whatever. And uh, so you can see Bill about that. Also, in about 60 days, the ministry is going to move to this location as well. And so we will be opening up the doors of Trinity and the fireside room for ministry to the homeless population on the west side. And we want to be the Lord's hands extended. And so for that reason, and so that he has access to all the privileges of the ministries within the church, I present this certification to you. And would you give a round of applause as well to Bill. Now I'd like the brethren to come, all the deacons to come and gather around these, these men. Why don't you scooch together because we're, we're deacon poor today. <laughs> but we, <laughs> let's pray together. Father God, we come in Jesus' name. We're thankful for these who are stepping up and stepping out to be used of you. I pray fresh anointing upon them. They've already been serving you. And now let them serve under a special anointing as they come under the oversight of this assembly of God. We pray that you would use them to stir our hearts in ministry to our children, in ministry to the homeless community, in ministry to the disadvantaged. And we ask, Father God, that they would sense they're walking under the hand 
of the anointing of God. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Now, J.R., as a freshly anointed uh, commission minister, is going to give announcements, and he's going to lead in taking up the offering because I have someplace I need to be other than here right now. Good morning. It's hard to remember what all is going on here at the church. Grandpa, if you want to come back down here, please. We want to welcome you to Trinity. If you're a guest joining us for the first time today or joining us on the live stream, we want to thank you for being here, and we're glad to see you here. Um, if it is your first time, this young man right here, he has connection cards. Just slip up your hand. He'll give you one. That way you can fill it out and turn it in to one of the offering plates and we can keep in contact with you and keep you up to date with what's going on here at the church. Can we get a round of applause for our guests today? As always, we have a lot of good things going on at the church. Um, we have, first and foremost, we have Pastor's Appreciation Sunday coming up October 22nd. And we want to invite you and open it up for cards. Is that right, Andy? Cards. So if you are able to you know, provide anything for that, um, that is coming October 22nd. Now, we have a football game coming up. And I was told a lot about this football game. Um, like I said last week, if you are married, please ask your spouse before signing up for this game. If you are hot-headed, please ask the Lord before signing up to this game for strength to get through it. Um, I was also told that Andy is specifically not allowed to play, and we'll just leave it at that. But he is a man. He is not injured. If you know Andy, he's not injured. But he's just not allowed to play. <laughs> but if you are interested, please sign up in the lobby for the football game. Um, flag football, don't worry, you won't get hit too hard. <laughs> September 29th, the youth are having a half-nighter. Um, they'll be going to Grove City Christian football game, uh, the high school's football game. And then they'll be coming back to the church for their, to finish up their half-nighter. Um, details about that can be found in the bulletin. Um, they all, we also are having a fundraiser coming up for the youth on Sunday, October 1st. Um, we're going to have a soup fundraiser. And also attached to that, a cornhole tournament. So if you're able to throw the sling the beans, then make sure you sign up for that. Oh, that's coming up, isn't it? Tuesday. Okay. This Tuesday, we are going to the Columbus Clippers game. It is Diamond Dog Night, and we had a sign-up sheet. If you signed up to go, Carissa has your tickets, so make sure that you go and find her for your tickets. And we're going to have a good night on Tuesday. i got to put that in my calendar. 
Worship team, if you want to come back up, we can get ready for worship again. But before we do that, can I have the ushers come up here, please? I forgot one thing. If you have a kid that's going um, with us to Big Bounce today, after the service, please stay in here and meet in like the back few pews. I just have some things I want to go over before you turn your kids over. Thank you. Father God, we just thank you for this day you've given us, Lord, this, this awesome opportunity to praise you, Lord. Lord, and today I just ask that you just bless and multiply every, every tithe and offering that's given today, Lord. Lord, I just ask that you just bless it, bless the, um, bless these to use them um, both here in the local church, Lord, and, and abroad around the world, Lord, to reach to reach those lost that they would come to know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, and and I, and we just ask this all right now. Just ask you just to bless the gift and the giver in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen.
up a well, spring up a well, spring up a well in me. Nothing can stop this joy. Oh 
seated, would you take this book and turn in it? You are privileged people to have a copy of this book. It is the word of God. Anything less than it's just a book. But it is the word of God. If you would turn to Isaiah chapter 61. I'm going to be reading from what you know as the King James Bible. It's the only one we really had <laughs> in my day. Isaiah chapter 61 and verses 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me 
because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word this day. You may be seated. Allow me to introduce myself to you today. I'm from another time and another place. But this day, as I am with you, I introduce myself as Jedediah Smith. I'm a member of a group called the Society of Friends. <laughs> and today, I'm going to tell you a little history, but a lot about God. His mercy, his love, his forgiveness, and his power to break the chains of slavery and to set men and women, boys and girls, free from that which binds them. My story has its beginnings on the other side of the world. Our founder, Reverend George Fox, in the 17th century, back when some of you were children, or oh, oh, teens, oh, maybe teens, we took as our theme verse out of Psalm 119 and verse 63. I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. It was a time in England when the church, the Church of England and other groups had begun to drift away from this word from which we read. While I am sharing with you today, could you keep your copy in your hand? If you do not have a copy, I understand in the seats in front of you there are copies of this holy word of God. Forgotten by many, scorned by some, 
rejected by multitudes. And yet, it's a story of the Word of God setting people free that I bring to you today. The Church of England, the Anglican Church, the Catholic Church, even Methodists and others had drifted from the Word and began to lean upon rituals and traditions rather than reading the scriptures from the book they would take certain scriptures from the book and read them into their rituals may i declare to you the word of god does not need anybody's help it is sharper than any double-edged sword it can cut deep into the heart and change lives. It doesn't need your help, nor does it need mine. It just needs to be shared with others. George Fox stood against the church leaders and the Christians of the day by declaring, it is the word of God, not the traditions of men that count. You see, it was a time when the church thought that by going through rituals, you could earn your place in a city of heaven. They were teaching that these rituals, going through certain acts, could produce salvation for you. It was a doctrine and teaching of works, not grace. And our founder, George Fox, spoke toe-to-toe -to -toe and head-to-head -head with those leaders. You see, they were teaching that if you simply came into a church building and you brought an offering, you were as good as right with God. If any of you came today under that pretense, you're a fool. It is not the pain of tithes or offerings that brings us into right relationship with the Lord of this book. It is a heart changed by the author of this book. They began to teach that if you came into a church gathering and you received the emblems of Holy Communion, that this was the means of grace by which you were saved. But the Word of God says far different, does it not? It's not by works of righteousness that we can do, but by the grace of Almighty God. God that we are saved for by grace are you saved through faith not of works lest anyone could boast they were preaching and teaching these false teachings and the people believed it and they set the word of God aside and simply went through the rituals and the traditions 
and thought that that made them holy in the sight of a holy God. The word of God is very clear. You cannot approach him in your own holiness or righteousness. But access to the Father, the Heavenly Father, is through a relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You can give, you can take communion, you can go through all of the things that they suggested and still find yourself in a burning lake of fire if you've not received Jesus Christ as your Savior. They taught that water baptism could save you. But you know that water baptism is an outward sign of what God did on the inside. He washed your sins away with his own shed blood. The church was in trouble. And our founder, George Fox, began to preach and teach against it. And one of the worst things that was going on, these were bad enough, but pastors and ministers and church leaders and bishops and heads of the church, even the archbishop himself, was an owner and purveyor of slaves. How does one relate the freedom in Christ to owning another person? And yet no one would speak out against that atrocity until the voice of George Fox rattled the walls. Many of them owned slaves, owned slave ships, and made great profits from selling men and women, boys and girls, into a life. Our society of friends spoke out against it, and they mocked us for it. Now beware, my friends. It doesn't matter if it's the 17th century or the 21st or 22nd or 23rd century. If you speak for the word of God and God's principles, you will be mocked. They began to joke and say, you're a bunch of people scared of God. No, we are God-fearing people. Not a fear that causes us to run from him, but a fear that causes us to bow before him. We became known as the God-fearers. They mocked us publicly in the newspapers and in discussions in churches. They began to use words to describe us trying to paint a picture that we were just so afraid of God and afraid of making a mistake. 
that we were pitiful people indeed. They said they're just like the children of Israel in the wilderness. For the scripture, they knew this scripture, that before the mountain of the Lord, the children of Israel quaked in fear of the thunderings and lightnings. They saw it as a bad thing. But fearing God in his holiness is a good thing. So they began to use the moniker, you're just a bunch of God-fearing Quakers who tremble every time God speaks. But we did not retaliate, no. We took it as a compliment. Yes, call us God-fearing, we do. Call us those who tremble when God speaks, we do. If you believe that God's word is true, then you ought to tremble before it and realize God means what he says and God says what he means. What sin is sin. Fear God, not the world. They began to paint that moniker on our houses and even the buggies that we drove. Sometimes they would paint it upon our farm animals. Quakers, Quakers, afraid of God, shaking when God speaks. Could I just tell you, my friends, we could do with some quaking today over what God's word says. We could do with some who would be God-fearing today. So afraid of what others may say, but not at all afraid of offending God. I better get back to my story. They called us Quakers. They thought it was funny. But we took it on as a badge of honor. Another thing that they would do, they had heard about our Quaker meetings, our Society of Friends gatherings. You see, we didn't gather and make a lot of noise. We came and we sat quietly. Oh, that was not all that happened there. You see, we were not just sitting quietly. We were waiting for the Spirit of the Lord Almighty God to move in our midst. And not until the Spirit of God had moved upon one of the brothers to stand and speak what the Lord had laid upon his heart that day was any sound uttered in the room. And history records that as some of the brethren stood to their feet to speak from God's word and declare it, that the presence and power of Almighty God descended upon that man and they quaked and sometimes fell under the power of God's mighty hand. 
Yes, call us Quakers. Call us Quakers. We need a new breed of Quakers today. Many are speaking before the Spirit has touched them. We need a, a return to a fear of the Lord. In our behavior, in our teaching and preaching, and in our living. Today and in your day and in mine, people are more afraid of what others say than what God says. And they would rather not do anything to upset the people, but they're willing to upset God. We need some Quakers today. Oh, I'm not saying that you need to go back and dress as we did and, and respond as we did. But we need to be God-fearing believers in Jesus Christ. Amen. I've told you a little of history of my group of believers but now let me tell you the story that brings me here today. There was a plague that was flying across the entire world of that day. A terrible, awful plague. And even the church was involved in profiting from it. Slavery. Men and women, boys and girls were taken from their homes and their lives and taken across the oceans to Europe and to America to be sold on the block as a piece of merchandise or as an animal at a fair. You see, this plague made people very wealthy. They would commission large ships to go to Africa and the Middle East and barter for human lives. And they would capture them there. History tells that in going to various places that tribal leaders would barter and sell their own people into slavery for silver and gold and wheat and barley. After they bartered, these men and women, boys and girls, were taken from their homeland in chains and brought to Europe and America in chains, sold as mere cattle to run the cotton fields and the work. You see, during the years when slavery was at its peak, because do you know that even in your day today, there is still 
slavery going on in the world in Muslim countries. During the time when slavery was at its apex in America, 12.5 million lives were bought and sold into slavery in those years. Forced from their homes, families torn asunder, they took them down to the docks, to slave ships. You say, well, did they build ships just for that purpose? No. They had cargo ships, sailing vessels, and in those sailing vessels, boxes of goods would be stored on levels of planks. I illustrate thusly. There would be the bottom deck and then a deck above it 10 to 12 inches high where commodities would be thrown in and carried across the ocean. They removed the commodities and replaced them with people. Some of the larger slaving ships could carry up to 1,000 slaves. They were taken and bound with chains hand and foot and slid into the compartments in the ship. Layer by layer by layer, they were to lay in this position for the three-month trip across the ocean. One hour per day, 24-hour period, groups of 100 would be taken from their shelf and taken to the deck and be given food, bread, and water, and then put back in. This plague of slavery existed with innocent souls being slaughtered. You see, you can imagine in those close confines of 10 to 12 inches, level upon level upon level, a thousand souls in chains for three months. Journals have been recovered that they said it was an acceptable loss if 20% of the cargo died. 20%. 250 on the larger ships could die and they could still make up their profits. They would simply unchain and toss the dead bodies overboard. Or sometimes leave them there beside others 
for the three-month journey. I know I am making you uncomfortable, but the truth is uncomfortable. This plague of slavery existed for many, many years. And thousands upon thousands of those innocents were killed en route to becoming full-time slaves in America. Their arrival in America would give them a brief respite from the crowded, stench conditions of the slave ships. And they were in the fresh air while they were taken to an auction block and put in shackles on their hands and their feet. And their clothes stripped from them as they were bartered and bid upon for slaves for the plantations or slaves for the factories up north even. Even clergy people and leaders of the church would barter and bid on the slaves. You see, the word of God says no, but the word of men says yes, if it'll make me money. The words of George Fox rang out in the hearts of we Quakers. We've got to do what God says about this plague. But we were dismissed by the leaders of society and the legal places and the leaders of local churches and whatever, and the hierarchy of the archbishop even. So we had to go another way to set the captives free. My story continues now. They arrive at the docks. They've been taken forcibly from Africa and the Middle East, and they do not know a single word of the English language. They are beaten until they do the task that they are assigned, but they do not understand. They think that if they hurt them, they'll understand the lash of the whip and do their jobs. History records it was against the law to teach a slave to read and write because even the church of that day in the Americas, Anglicans, Methodists, and others taught that a slave was an animal and had no soul. Here's my story begins of setting the captives free. You see, the masters were whipping and beating and coercing and the, their slaves did not understand their language. So they would beat them harder. Some of we Quakers, society of friends, 
went about the plantations of the South and offered them what one would call a deal they could not refuse. We said, sirs, we will go in to help you with your slaves. What? Well, listen. The Society of Friends will volunteer to go in and teach the English language to your slaves so they could understand what your masters are saying. How much will it cost? Oh, we'll do it for free. But here's the stipulation. We will teach them English by teaching them from this book. The word of God. The slave masters and plantation owners readily agreed. What could go wrong? <laughs> They're animals. They, they can't become Christians. They cannot become followers of God. They're just animals and cattle to be sold. Well, we Quakers went in. And we began, you say, well, you didn't know their native tongue. No, but we had pictures of Bible stories. And we would point at the Bible stories and give them words to learn of what it meant from God's word. We, we would start with something they could really understand. We had pictures of people in chains the children of Israel in Egypt. We showed them and began to teach them words in English about slavery, about freedom, about a God who said, let my people go. And we let them know that this same God who set the children of Israel free is the same God that wants to be in your heart and your life. And the records record that a large group of those who were called slaves were brought into the fellowship of knowing the Lord as their Savior and their God. Were they still slaves? Yes, on the inside, but wasn't Paul a slave of Jesus Christ? They were set free from the shackles in their hearts by a trust in the love of a God who came to set people free. My Quaker brothers and sisters taught the slaves' songs that they would sing while out doing their labors in the fields. The masters were listening and thought nothing of it. But we taught them songs that increased their faith. When Israel was in Egypt land, let my people go. 
oppressed so hard they could not stand. Let my people go, go down Moses way down in Egypt land tell old Pharaoh let my people go as they sang the masters had no clue that their faith was being built up in a God who wanted to set the captive free of a God who no matter what the chains he could become their savior their lord and look out for them but we, we did not stop there we Quakers we, we were enterprising we were a part of what is called the underground railroad it was not a train but a series of stations where we would get slaves from slavery states across the Ohio into free states. Station by station by station, you have a number of them here in this land which you live, where they would find safety and food and shelter and clothing and transport to the next station. And so, in the teaching of the scriptures. Not only did the, those in the fields learn that God loved them, that he had a plan to set them free, but we included code words to let them know when the next group of slaves was going out to be set free. You've heard the song Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. I looked over Jordan, and what did I see? Coming for to carry me home. A band of angels coming after me, coming for to carry me home. You say, well, what code was that? Well, you see, there was a woman by the name of Harriet, not Chariot Tubman, who was leading slaves into freedom for many years across the Ohio to the waiting arms of those who were like angels to them, Quakers and Methodists and other believers who would take them to safety. So while they're singing, swing low, sweet chariot, in their hearts they knew that sweet Harriet was coming to take some of them across the rivers into freedom. The history of the Underground Railroad is replete with these stories. Quaker women got into the 
the act of setting people free, they're known for their quilt work. And they would hang quilts over the front porch of their homes. But not just any quilt. Code symbols were placed into the quilts to let those who were going towards freedom to know this was a safe house. And it was safe to come. It would also give hints of the next direction. It would have maps on it, disguised, so they'd know where the next station in the Underground Railroad would be. Another symbol that was used was the drinking gourd. You say, what? The drinking gourd. They sang in the in the fields about, oh, look to the drinking gourd. You say, what a strange song. The masters didn't think a thing about it. It was not talking so much about a drinking gourd, but the Big Dipper and the star alignments to point the direction that they were to go to freedom. And when they would come up, this group who had escaped being sheltered and transported and fed, when they would come up to one of the houses that was a safe house, they would look to the pump outside. And if the ladle was on the left side, they would pass on by. It wasn't safe. It was on the right side, come in for a meal. You see, thousands were taken to freedom by those who feared the word of God more than the laws of men. You say, well, that's an interesting history lesson. I feel so much better because I hated history anyway. But I've not come here to give you merely a history lesson. But I want to tell you the history of a God who is worth fearing. And God has said, he's not willing that any should perish, but all to come to repentance. Bond and free, he has a place in his kingdom for each one. Thousands of slaves in this story from the past and yet, our God is still in the business of setting captives free today, right now, right here. You see, let me read another thing from God's Word. In John chapter 8, Jesus spoke these words. Many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, <laughs> are you still holding on to your copy? If you abide or live in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Rituals won't save you. But abiding in the word will guide you. And you shall know the truth, 
And the truth shall do what? What was that again? This truth shall set you free. Now, this is the funny part of this portion of Scripture. Some people see no humor in the Bible, but it's here. They, the Jews who believed on him, they believed on him, Jesus. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. Hmm. Hmm. Never been in bondage to anyone? Oh, yes. Except for 400 years in the book of Exodus. Except for 70 years in Babylon. Except now under the shackles of the Roman government. Greece had conquered them and Egypt had conquered them and Media Persia. They were slaves and indentured. They just didn't know they were slaves. They thought they were free. <laughs> and my friends today, there are many who think they are free. Well, yes, I'm an American. I'm free, but are bound by sin, bound by other things like shackles on their lives, and they cannot break free in their own strength. It takes the Son of God, the living Word, to set people free. Some people are slaves to sin. They've been in sin so long they don't know what freedom looks like or feels like. I'm not a slave to sin. I can do whatever I want. And what are you doing? Sinning. Having your own way living by your own standards and not the standards of this holy book. The truth shall set you free. If there's anyone here today in this gathering and you've not been set free by coming to Jesus Christ and confessing your sins, and having him drop the shackles from you, you are bound as any slave in bygone days. And your master is the devil, and he won't let you out. But I know a God, I know a God who sets people free. But also others are slaves to habits and addictions. Things that have gotten a hold of your life that you cannot control but control you. It may be alcohol. It may be drugs. It may be even what you call your prescription drugs. Drugs. 
But know this, the shackles are just as strong as steel and just as hard to break as titanium. But I know a God, hallelujah, I know a God who can set the captives free and he who is set free by the Son is free indeed. Can I get a witness this morning from anyone who has been set free from one of these addictions, from one of these things, and you confer with me, my Jesus set me free. I'm free indeed. Give him praise. Give him praise. He's still setting the captives free. Others are slaves to anger and rage. My friend, if your temper dictates your behavior, you're a slave to it. We see domestic squabbles. We see people pulling out weaponry to say, I'm right and you're wrong and I have the power. You are a slave to that anger and rage. You may say, well, they have programs to help me not be that angry. It's not a program, it's a person. His name is Jesus. Amen. And he can change somebody who's an argumentative, mean-spirited person and turn them into a person of love. How do I know? Because this book tells me so. Wasn't it John and his brother James who were called sons of thunder because they had tempers that would light a fire? They were always bickering and fussing and they got that nickname not because they were nice. They were fishermen along the docks and they were mean-spirited men and they were gripped, but then Jesus passed by and he said, follow me, and they left their nets, but they also left their chains at the foot of the cross. My friend, if you are battling temper and anger and rage, well, Jedediah, you don't know the times we're living in. Oh, I have a hint. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Has your rage changed the times you're living in? But it's changed you. But my friends, I know a Jesus who came to set people free from that which binds them. And he can set the captives free today. Some are bound by the serpent's tongue of alcohol. You see, that was a teaching in the Church of England when George Fox spoke against them. They were going to church and then they were going to socially drink afterwards. 
I, I don't imagine that practice is still going on in your day. And they tried to make ways through it with taking scriptures out of context, my friends. The scripture is clear. The word of God is pronounced. Don't look upon it when it bubbles up, when it leaves a ring around the glass. It stings like a poisonous viper. Well, the solution of your generation and others is to legalize it. And I think they're going to try and legalize some other things, aren't they? Killing the unborn. Hallucinogenic drugs. They can't control it because they're the slaves of it. And just as in the slavery of days gone by, somebody's making a profit on the slavery. Did you hear me? They're not doing this. The enemy is not in this because it feels good. He's in to make a profit on the slaves that he makes and keeps. And those that are captured in those chains say, we're not slaves to anything. Pornography is a cruel slave master as well. My friends, the lust of the heart will destroy you. But Jesus Christ came to set people free. Look in the scriptures, look in this book and find that there were those who had an unclean spirit. If you look it up, you'll find that it meant it was an immoral spirit, a sensual spirit. And Jesus set the captive free. And they were free indeed. Oh, I've got some shouts of affirmation. Of, I'll probably lose you on this one. The biggest new addiction that is chaining people's lives and dragging them to ruin is gambling. I believe you have an establishment locally that is millions of dollars in lights and accoutrements and they're able to do that because they have slaves that give them a profit. Your airways are polluted by those telling you how easy it is to gamble and make money. Did you ever think of how much it costs for them to advertise so that you could make money? Slaves are being made every day and they're risking their families, their fortune, their livelihood, their homes, their cars, their very souls. But I know somebody, 
who came to set the captive free. And his name is Jesus. The dark days of human slavery would be said to be in the past, but there is what is called white slavery today in the sex trades. And your Ohio is one of the large markets on the chain of perdition. But I know a Jesus who can set the captive free. I have laid across the front of this sanctuary a chain. And as the musicians return, they're going to play a song that I want to talk about before they sing. It's a song about that was written by someone who owned and was a captain of a slaving ship. His name was John Newton. He was a deacon in the Church of England, rather high up. But his business was going to Africa and the Middle East and procuring slaves to load into his cargo vessel and bring them to slavery in England and the United States. He lost track of how many trips he had made and the tears and the cries of those families separated, lives lost, throwing dead bodies overboard on the journey. And one time when he was taking his ship out, some believers came and said, may we travel with you? He said, well, I'm going to get slaves as we know but we want to pray for them and to help them on the journey and it struck John Newton to his very soul and while the slaves were in chains and crying in agony when they were hungering and thirsty they died and were thrown overboard. These believers were praying to their God for the masters that they would come to know Christ and for the slaves that they would meet Jesus as their Savior. After one such journey, John Newton came back to his home, a broken man. Nightmares plagued him as all he could see was the chains. He bowed his knee at an altar of 
But Jesus sent an angel in, and a light shined in the prison, and his chains, hallelujah, his chains fell off. Wait. 